This is Marshall Davis. Today on the Tao of Christ, I continue my new series of broadcasts entitled The New Pilgrim's Progress, patterned after John Bunyan's 17th century classic, The Pilgrim's Progress. It is an allegorical pilgrimage through the landscape of 21st century American spirituality. Part 4 In the Valley Pilgrim followed the trail down the hill of difficulty. He had considered the climb up the hill to be challenging, but the descent was even worse. On the way up, his heart had pounded and his lungs had strained due to the steepness of the ascent, coming down was a different matter. His knees began to hurt unbearably because of the weight of the equipment he was carrying. Furthermore, the path was slippery due to springs and rivulets that seeped through the rocks. He slipped and fell in several spots. When he finally made it to the bottom, he rested and ate some of the field rations that the people at First Baptist Church had provided him. Then he continued on his way. In the valley at the foot of the hill, he saw a giant creature coming across the field toward him. The stench of the foul creature preceded him. He looked like a monster out of one of Pilgrim's fantasy books. He had the appearance of a dinosaur, but this was no dinosaur Pilgrim had ever read about. His body was covered in armored scales, and his tail was like a stegosaurus. He had wings like a pterodactyl, legs like a prontosaurus, and teeth like that of a T-Rex. To complete the image of a storybook dragon, out of the creature's mouth came forth fire and smoke. His name was Apollyon. Pilgrim's hands and legs involuntarily began to shake at the sight of the beast. He had barely recovered from the descent down the hill, and he had no strength to face this behemoth. He thought for a moment about retreating, but then he reconsidered, If I turn and run, I will be more vulnerable than if I stood my ground. This enemy looks like a wild animal. If I run, it will surely chase me down and devour me. I have no choice but to stand my ground. Apollyon approached Pilgrim and looked at him with disdain. He spoke with a human voice. Does the tyrant of the far kingdom think so little of me that he would send a boy against me? Who are you? Where did you come from and where are you going? I am Pilgrim. I come from the Shadowlands and I am headed toward the Land of Light. Shadowland, that is my kingdom. You are one of my subjects. Bow to me and I will spare your life. I used to be one of your subjects, but I live there no longer. Now I am a citizen of that land to which I am headed. Not so fast. Once a citizen of mine, always a citizen. Do you have immigration papers? I have no documents, but I have a new heart, upon which is written the land of my rebirth, and I have a new name that identifies me as a citizen of that pure land. What is that name? Only I and my lord know. Nonsense. You're making it all up. You are an illegal alien. No one wants you or will take you. The pure land you speak of has a wall and a river separating it from here, and no one can enter. Turn around now, and I will not kill you. I will not return to that dark place. In that case, prepare to enter an even darker place, a place of eternal torment, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. With these words, Apollyon attacked. Pilgrim shouldered his assault rifle and pressed off a few rounds. The bullets bounced off the creature's armored plates as if they were pebbles. 
Apollyon swung his tail to take Pilgrim off his feet. Pilgrim barely managed to get out of the way in time. Fire and brimstone roared from Apollyon's mouth like a flamethrower. Pilgrim managed to get his riot shield in place just in time. Pilgrim realized that he was no match for this monster. For one thing, he was not able to maneuver well in this body armor. His weapon was useless against the armored plates of the beast. Then he recalled a story from the book. What did he have to lose? He found temporary shelter behind a boulder and quickly shed the armor and weapons which the Baptist had given him. They might be effective against flesh and blood, but this creature was neither. He recounted the Bible story in his mind and looked for some round stones. He formed a makeshift sling from the strap of his rifle. Now he was set to take on this giant beast. A couple of well-flung stones into the beast's eyes would do the trick. Then he came to his senses. What the hell was he thinking? A sling? And a few stones against a giant supernatural dinosaur? Was he crazy? Think, Pilgrim. Are there such things as monsters? Is that rational? Of course not. It makes for an interesting children's story or a fantasy novel, but it is not real life. There are no such things as fire-breathing dragons or zombies or demons. Have you completely lost your mind? Use your head. With a sigh of relief, he came out from behind the boulder with his eyes wide open. There was no creature in sight. No foul scent filled the air. Only the fragrance of wildflowers filled the valley. Those Christians at First Baptist Church had filled his mind with fearful fantasies. There are no monsters under the bed, no boogeymen in the closet. And in the real world, there are no devils stalking Christians. With a satisfied grin, he shook the dust off his feet and continued his journey, leaving the armor and the weapons where they lay. The valley narrowed into a deep, dark canyon called the Valley of the Shadow of Death. The way led straight through it. This gorge looked far more dangerous than any terrain that had come before. As soon as he began his descent into the ravine, two men came running out toward him. At first he thought they might be enemies, and he reached instinctively for his weapon, but remembered that he had none. Then he realized that they were pilgrims like him. "'What is the matter? Why are you running?' he asked. They gestured wildly. "'Go back! Go back!' "'Why?' Is there another monster like Apollyon ahead? If so, he is no danger to me. No, it is a thousand times worse. The valley itself is the enemy. It has the power of death in it. It holds fear and dread that no man can master. If you value your life or your sanity, you will find a way around. There is no other way. The way leads straight through this valley, and I will follow it no matter what. Two men ran past him, and Pilgrim continued on his way, although more carefully than before. Though he no longer feared demons and monsters, he knew there were very real dangers in the world that could destroy him. The valley turned into a steep gorge and then into a deep chasm. As the walls drew higher and steeper, the path grew darker and darker. 
At this point, the trail wound along one craggy wall of the ravine. The right side of the trail dropped off steeply. It was so steep that he had to pay close attention to where he was placing his feet so as not to fall. It was so deep and dark that the valley beneath him appeared like a bottomless abyss. As he walked, the way grew darker until he was unable to see his feet or the path. He had to feel his way inch by inch with his hands along the cliff wall. Then the left side of the trail also dropped away, and he was walking atop a narrow ridge in total darkness. In this darkness he began to hear cries and screams from the left, as if countless people were in torment far below. It felt to him like the cries of the damned writhing in hell. He put his hands to his ears to block the sound, but it could not eliminate it completely. Besides, he needed his arms to balance himself on the ridge trail. In the darkness, his imagination began to play tricks on him. In his mind's eye, he envisioned damned souls thrashing in pain, suffering endless torment at the command of a fearsome god. He imagined himself among them. His fear began to get the better of him, and he nearly tottered off the path. He paused to assess his situation. Here he was on a razor's edge in the darkest of valleys. On the right side was a bottomless pit of nothingness. He knew in his heart that if he fell into that abyss, he would die forever. He would cease to exist. The thought of non-existence filled him with fear and dread. If he fell onto the other side of the path, he would descend into hell, which was far worse. There he would suffer eternally for his sins, which was worse, to be in agony for all eternity or to permanently cease to exist. He was frozen in place on that narrow way, unable to move forward or backward. He began to lose his sense of balance, and he knew that any moment could be his last. Tottering on the edge of the ravine, he thought he heard a voice calling to him. He inched forward a little, and it seemed stronger. It said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Who are you? Pilgrim cried out. There was a response, but he could not make out the caller's name. He thought it sounded like the name Ockham, but he knew no one by that name. The voice spoke again and said, Take the simple way. What do you mean? Pilgrim replied. The voice returned, When there are two possibilities, the simplest is the better. What two possibilities? Forward or backward, right or left, none of those were good options. Perhaps it had to do with his perception of the fates that awaited him on either side. On the left there appeared to be the pit of hell. Was that assessment the simplest explanation for the voices of torment he was hearing? Was it more likely that an entrance to hell lay beneath him, or that he was imagining those voices? Furthermore, did it make sense that an eternal hell of endless torment really existed? Many preachers he had heard insisted it was real, but there was no evidence for it. Such a place was not consistent with Pilgrim's understanding of an all-powerful, all-loving, all-just deity. 
Eternal punishment for temporal sins is unjust by any human standard. Surely God is more just than humans. Torture is the handiwork of evil men. No loving God would stoop so low. Which was more likely, that an all-loving, compassionate God would create, or allow to exist, a place of endless suffering where sinners were tortured for all eternity for things they did on earth, or that this hellish place is the product of depraved human minds which attributed it to God. The simplest explanation is that hell is the invention of the human heart, not the divine mind. How about the endless abyss on his right? If he fell into that darkness, he knew he would not only die, he would cease to exist. If there were no hell, then if he died in a fall, he would either go to heaven or he would cease to be. Are either of these choices something to fear? Heaven was not to be feared. If it exists, from all accounts, it is a place of endless bliss. Though he had to admit that most descriptions of heaven he had heard sounded rather boring. In any case, it was not to be feared. But how about the other alternative? Was nothingness something to fear? His initial reaction was yes. He did not like the thought of blinking out of existence utterly and completely, but was this unwelcome fate something to fear? When he thought about it more deeply, he realized that ceasing to exist was not bad. If he did not exist, he could not be afraid. There would be no one to do the fearing. If death was non-existence, then death was nothing. Therefore, it was nothing to fear. The more he thought about it, the more he realized that he could not experience death. As long as he lived, he was not dead. When he was dead, he would not experience anything, including death. Death was the ceasing of all experience, and why be afraid? As the philosopher said, if I am, then death is not. If death is, then I am not. Why should I fear that which can only exist when I do not? Before Pilgrim was born, he did not exist for billions of years, and that did not bother him one bit. Why would future non-existence be any different? With the realization that he need not fear death or hell, he heaved a sigh of relief. A burden as great as that which was lifted at the cross fell from him, and he was free to walk the valley with confidence. As he began to walk again, he detected a faint light ahead in the distance. He moved in that direction. Even though the way was still dark and narrow, he walked it now without fear. With each step, the way grew lighter until he was beyond the valley and standing in bright morning sunlight. In the daylight, he looked back at the road he had just traversed. He could see that the path was truly narrow, with ravines on either side, but he also saw that the drop-offs on either side of the path were neither dark nor bottomless. There was no mouth of hell or bottomless pit. In fact, in the sunlight, they both looked to be pleasant dales with green pastures and still waters. There were no pitiful creatures writhing in pain and crying in anguish as he had feared. What he had heard were only the sounds of goats and sheep grazing on mountain grass. 
how different the world appears when seen in the light, Pilgrim mused aloud to himself. As he walked in the light, the valley opened into a broad plain. Scattered across the field were human bones. It looked like an ancient battlefield where the dead soldiers had been left where they fell, their skeletons bleaching in the sun. On a bluff overlooking the battlefield was a cave where two giants lived. One was Calvin and the other Arminius. They spent their days bickering like two old spinsters. When they weren't fighting with each other, they sang their siren song together, enticing pilgrims to turn aside from the way. They had been doing this for centuries. The skeletons of shipwrecked faith were on display in the valley below. Under the giant's tutelage, travelers were taught the art of theological disputation and rhetoric. They squared off into warring camps, each accusing the other of not being true pilgrims. They spent their lives in theological disputes, growing old and dying in that place without ever continuing their journey to the promised land. As Pilgrim picked his way through the Valley of Dry Bones, he noticed an old man with a pointed beard sitting at the cave entrance, watching him hungrily. He knew instantly who it was. Calvin yelled at him as he passed by, Tulip, tulip, tiptoe through the tulip, and you will be saved. Pilgrim looked around, but he saw no flowers of any kind in that barren place. Besides, it was not the season for tulips. Still, the ecclesiastic cried out at the top of his lungs, Tulip! Tulip! It was clear to Pilgrim that too much learning had driven this churchman mad. He did his best to ignore the giant, but when Pilgrim turned his back, the polemicist yelled all the more, you are not one of the elect. Christ did not die for you. You will never persevere to the end. It is predestined. You are damned forever, and rightly so. As Pilgrim walked out of earshot, he thought he heard another voice responding to the first, yelling, Freedom! Freedom! And he could swear he heard the rattle of bones. You have been listening to The New Pilgrim's Progress. The series is available in book format under the title The Seeker's Journey, a contemporary retelling of Pilgrim's Progress at Amazon.com. You can find my podcast at thedowelchrist.com. You can find my blog at marshalldavis.us. Join me next time for another episode of The New Pilgrim's Progress on the Dow of Christ. Mm-hmm.